sometimes we think about sanctification as, you know, we stop sinning, and certainly that is part of sanctification. But I was thinking this morning that sanctification from profane things, profane things are not only sin, profane things are things that we shouldn't be devoted to, anything that we shouldn't be devoted to. Also, I looked up the meaning of profane, and it actually means things that are not biblical, that we can be devoted to things that aren't even biblical, and maybe they're not like dirty and evil, but they're not what God wants us to be devoted to, that he wants us to be devoted to him. And so that's what it means, that Jesus wants to sanctify us. He wants to make us his own. He says, I, I want you to know that I want you to be a certain way, and I, I care about how you're formed, and I care about what's in your heart, and I want you to be separated to me. And the way he does that, what it says here, is that he washes us with his word. He cleanses us. He, when we're in his word like we're going to be today, it's like we get washed from all the thinking that shouldn't be there. We get washed from all the stuff that we're hanging on to that keeps us from being separated to him. That's so beautiful. So I just believe that, I believe the Lord dropped that into my heart last night just as a, as a, like a launch pad for us today, that that's his heart for us. That's what he wants to do in us today. That's what his, he's wooing us into that place. It's relational. It's holy. It's beautiful. It's based on love. It's based on relationship. That's what he has for us today. So I just want to take a couple moments and review what we've looked at the last couple weeks. And I, I really felt like that would be important today because I think this series is so important. It's important for us to understand these things, to come onto the same page in regards to local church, and to know, you know, what God is, is building us into. So if you remember on the week, the first week, week one, and I know it's a little hard to see, but I'll read it. The first week that Paul started this series, he talked about the, that the church is built on revelation of Jesus. We had a great conversation about that in our community group this past Thursday night, and we didn't even get past that point. That's all we talked about is the revelation of Jesus and how the church is built on that. Um, we also, in that first week, talked about the church Jesus is building is victorious. In both of those points, we get from Matthew 16 when Jesus said, um, after Peter said, you are the Christ, Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Reveal. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And on this rock of revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said that his church would be victorious. So that's where we get both of those points. And then we also, that first week, talked about how the Godhead is a partnership. Remember, we talked about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how the church is also called to be a partnership. If you look at the New Testament, you see partnership all over it. Um, it's a team, a partnering of, of elders, deacons, saints, and translocal team. And we partner together. Our fellowship in the gospel is to take the gospel and the manifestation of the Spirit to where it isn't, to make disciples of those who will believe, to appoint leaders, and to send to multiply. So the partnership is the who, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and elders, deacons, saints, and translocal team. That's the who. The what is that we are taking the gospel and the spirit. We're making disciples. We're appointing leaders. We're sending and multiplying. And we see that in the life of Jesus. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we see in the New Testament as you study the church. That's what they did. They did those four things. How they did it, how did they do those things, Paul's going to get into some of that next week. He's going to be talking about how we do the mission as a church. So it's who, it's what, and it's how. And then last week, week two of the series, we looked further into the roles 
that we see in New Testament church. And Paul talked about the four roles. You remember he talked about there's saints. That's all of us. Anyone who's believed in Jesus, we're all saints. He talked about elders and that elders are just those who are called to lead out front. They're ordained and they're appointed by trans local team, people from the outside. Elders are not supposed to be self-appointed. There's supposed to be agreement from the outside. We talk about deacons who serve Jesus, the church, and elders by taking weight off of elders. And we talked about translocal team, again, coming in from the outside to help build. And if you remember, Paul did that illustration with a whole bunch of you standing up front last Sunday, and everybody was holding hands and showing the connection that the translocal team, the gifts that we have helping the churches, helps to connect the churches all around. Like when we go to Equip, we're going to be with churches there who are partnered together in this great commission. It's a beautiful picture. So all of this is showing us this context of church. And as a believer, this is the context of my life. This is the context of your life. And so today we're going to look more at what it means to be planted into that context. That it's not just something I visit on a Sunday, but my life is planted into the context of church as a saint, as a believer, as a member, and how we plant ourselves. How can I plant myself? We're going to look at what some of those benefits are, how I'm blessed by that, how I grow because I'm planted. We're going to look at what my responsibilities are as a planted member of church. And we're going to mainly today look at Psalm 92. That's going to be our main text Psalm 92, I love this passage of scripture. It is one of my favorites, and it's just full of promises and beautiful imagery. It says in verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, I love that phrase, planted in the house of the Lord, shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Fresh and flourishing. We all want to flourish, right? I want to flourish. I want my life to flourish. You guys want your marriage to flourish? You want your kids to flourish? You want your career to flourish? We all want to flourish. Well, the promise in this scripture is that if we will plant ourselves in the house of the Lord, we will flourish. That word house, if you look up the Hebrew word for the house of the Lord, In Hebrew, it means the dwelling place, the habitation. It also means household, family, and it even means human bodies. So this house of the Lord is the dwelling place of God, and he calls us to make it our dwelling place. He calls us to root our lives and become a household and a family in the house of the Lord. Now, that's Old Testament as as a prophetic image But we see the same concept in the New Testament because we're looking at New Testament principles of of the church. So we see the very same concept over in Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verses 21 through 22. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22, it says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. So that same concept that the house of God, the church, is a dwelling place of God that we are called into to dwell in and to, by the Spirit of God, with the Spirit of God, make it our dwelling place, to plant ourselves there. So this verse in Ephesians 2, 
it says that you are being built together, okay? So it's not just my life alone, on my own, planted. It says you are being built together, that together we are the dwelling place of God. And I've seen over and over and over in my life, you know, I grew up in church, my parents led churches, and church has been a huge part of my life. But I have seen over and over and over throughout my life, and even in leading church, that when someone chooses to plant themselves in local church, their lives change. Their lives completely change. They begin to take root as an individual. They start to have a stability that they didn't have before. And one of the things I love to watch is that this person's capacity begins to grow. They begin to be able to carry more than they were able to before. And the reason that happens is because, think about a tent. If you put up a tent, you got to put tent pegs down in the ground, and you got to put those tent pegs deep. And the bigger the tent, the deeper it's got to go. So the more we plant ourselves, the bigger we can grow. The more, you know, as I reach out to the world around me, I can't do that on my own. I don't have enough stability on my own. I got to plant myself in Jesus, and I got to plant myself in something bigger than me that's called church that gives my life stability, and it gives me strength. I don't have enough strength on my own. I need the strength of who we are together, and we all need that to carry more and to do more and to experience more. And, you know, in Western culture, what we often see about church is that it's really just all about me. Church is about what am I going to get out of it? Do I like the preacher? Do I like the music? I don't like the I don't like their carpet. I don't like the colors. It's too hot in there. I you know whatever. Church is all about like what I am experiencing. And something else that even I think we're sometimes guilty of saying is that we say, I go to Border City Church or I attend Border City Church, and I try to say, I'm a part of Border City Church or so-and-so is a part of our church, or they're a member of, because it is so much more than going to or attending. We are a family, and it's much more than this moment, right? It's our lives together. So I try not to use that language. I'm not going to be a policeman if you say that. But, but to me, that's important, because it conveys something different that our, our world doesn't know about, that they haven't experienced. And biblically, we're going to see today that the church is something that we are planted into, It's not something we go to. Psalm 92 that we're looking at today, it gives us some really beautiful imagery of how to plant ourselves by mentioning these two trees. It says the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar. Those two trees, a palm tree and a cedar. Why these two trees specifically? Well, the palm tree has extremely deep roots that enable it to flourish even in a desert. And that's the promise in this verse, that those who are planted will flourish. Again, we all want to flourish. I want my life to flourish. I need to be planted. Palm trees also grow very tall, and they live very long. The cedars of Lebanon, at the time that these psalms were written, they were the longest enduring living thing that those people knew of. There was nothing else in natural nature around them that lived longer than the cedars. So that was very deliberate to talk about the cedars. They were also the tallest tree in the region, growing in Lebanon to a height of 100 feet. It lives 600 years or longer, the cedars. So this points to the enduring impact of our lives. I'm not going to live to 600, but my impact can go on for 600 years. 
So this speaks to the impact of our lives and the height and the reach of our lives when we're planted in the house of God. And there's even more meaning to the, to the cedars and to the palm trees that we're going to come back to in a minute. But let's just talk for a minute more about what is the house of God that is referred to here in Scripture. So in a big picture sense, it is the family of God himself. God himself is who we plant ourselves in, right? When we believe on Jesus, we plant ourselves in him. I am planted in him first and foremost. But it's also, number two, the house of God is the church, capital C, church, global church. We are a part of the church that, has, that was started when Jesus left the earth and the disciples were in the upper room. It started then. Those guys were a part of the capital C church. The generations coming beyond us who we may not see, they're going to be a part of the capital C church, those who believe on Jesus. There's people all over the world alive right now in every nation who are part of the church, capital C church. What a privilege that we are all one family in God. If I was kidnapped and taken somewhere and I didn't know where I was and I was in some foreign land and I couldn't be a part of this, and there was no church there for me to be a part of, I would still be a part of the big capital C church. Nobody can take that from me. I am part of the family of God. But the house of God also, and what we see throughout the New Testament, is specifically the local church. And so much of the instruction that we receive from Scripture is about how to live in and be planted in the family of God and local church. And I think some Christians say, you know, it's just me and Jesus. That's all I need, just me and Jesus. Or they say, I'm a part of the church. I don't need to be part of a church. I listen to people preach on TV, you know. So that's not what we see in the New Testament. And it's not just because they didn't have TVs. That's not the practice of their lives that we see. And I know that's not a problem in our church. None of you say those things, but I know we all know people who say those things, right? So I think it's important for us to to know why we live differently than that. It's important to know what the difference is. It's not just that we like hanging out together. It's not just that we tend to be more spiritual Christians. No, there's something, there's a design to it that really impacts our lives. Um, and, what, and I can prove this to you in the New Testament. All you got to do is open the word and read the New Testament, and you will see churches, not just church, capital C. Over and over and over, you will see the writer is talking about the churches, plural, that there were multiple churches. I'll give you two examples. From Acts 9, 31, it says the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. And then just another example is the book of Galatians, that Paul wrote a letter to the church, and it says at the beginning to the churches of Galatia. So it wasn't just capital C church, if you believe in Jesus. It was individual and specific local churches. Paul showed us last Sunday um, from Scripture the concept of elders in the New Testament, leadership. So here's a question for us. If God is specific enough to include in the New Testament what elders should be, how they should function, what qualifies someone for leadership, don't you think it would also make sense that there needs to be people to be led? So to me, that is another evidence of God's design, is that there would be groups of people that form local church, 
with specific leadership and specific members to call us to a specific function together. So again, I know most of us agree with that, but I think it's just so good for us to know the why. We don't just come to church on Sunday just to get encouraged for our week. That does happen, thank God. We don't just go to community group to get encouraged. We come to be a part of what God is building. And if I'm planted in Jesus, then I should be planted in his body. You know, scripture talks about how we are the body of Christ, right? Jesus left, went to heaven, and he said that we would be his body here on the earth. So we can't separate our love of Jesus from his body. He, he literally said we are his body. We are Jesus on the earth. We are his hands and feet. If I love Jesus, I have to love his body. I don't think it's possible to fully love Jesus and not love his church. And I think the more we love Jesus, we will love his church. And again, I'm not talking about an institution or some building. I'm talking about the people of God. The more we love Jesus, the more we will love his church. This is what Jesus died for. Yes, he died for sinners, but what did he die for sinners to be a part of his family? This is what he died for, so that he could have a people of his own. We need to honor church on that level because it's what Jesus died for, his bride that he gave his life for. So let's love the local church. The Greek word for church in the New Testament is ekklesia, and that means called out ones, that we've been called out from the world. It also means assembled together, an assembly or a congregation. So on my own, I'm a believer in Jesus, but it's when we are assembled together, we are the church. That is the meaning of church, that we are assembled together. So back to the palm tree. I just want to talk a little bit more about the palm tree. We mentioned that it has deep roots. And how do we root ourselves in particular in local church? I believe it's a decision of the heart to be planted in the house of God. You know, I look back over our lives. Uh, before Paul and I led church, we were in two different churches together as members after we got married. In both of those instances, one was a church in Dublin, Georgia. The other one was a church in Johannesburg before we led a church in Johannesburg. In both of those instances, as I think about how we came into those local churches, it was a step of faith. It's not like God wrote it on the wall for us, you need to be at this church. We had relationship to where it seemed like that was the right thing. It seemed like that was where God was planting us, and that's often how it happens, right? If you think about how you came here, it's probably because of relationship. It's, it's a person that connected you. I think of Stephanie's here because she met Paul through real estate. You know, like Mickey's here because we met him through a previous pastor that he'd had. You know, Rebecca's here because she met my sister-in-law's dad. Like, it's through relationship that you often find yourself in connection with people, but often it requires a step of faith to plant yourself. God asks that of us often. Before we understand it fully, he asks us to take a step of faith. So both of those instances when Paul and I decided, you know, we believe this is where God's planting us in this church, whether it was the one in Georgia or the one in South Africa, it was like, okay, we believe God is planting us. We're going to take a step of faith, and we're in. And we did several things to communicate to ourselves and to the church that we were in. The first thing is that we told the leadership, we're in, we're here. This is where God's planting us. 
The second thing is that we got involved in everything. Acts 2 verse 42 says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which is preaching on a Sunday, fellowship that we have in the week, breaking of bread, which is meals, and prayer. And we started getting involved in those things so that we could plant ourselves. We began tithing there because that told our hearts where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So we put our roots down in that way, and we began serving. We got involved in the kids' ministry and the youth ministry. We, we began serving in those churches. That's how we planted ourselves. And you know what? We began to bloom where we were planted. If you want to know what's in a seed, what do you do with it? You plant it. You may think that what's in you is little, but when it's planted, that's when you see the potential of that seed. It doesn't grow and increase until it's planted. And we want our lives to grow and flourish. We need to plant our lives. And the scripture tells us that the context we plant our lives into is local church. When something is planted, it gets covered up, right? It gets, like when you plant new flowers in the garden, at first it's just dirt, right? Right, Sharon? When we plant new stuff in the garden, it's just dirt. And it requires patience. And you're like, is there even anything under there? It's just dirt. You can't see it. And sometimes that's what it feels like when we plant ourselves in local church. It's like we almost feel for a little bit like you lose your identity. Like, wait a minute. I'm not sure if I fit in here. What, you know, because you get covered up by the hole. Sometimes it feels that way. But a plant begins to bloom once it's planted. Something else is that if I plant a seed but I only put it there once a week, and I take the seed out, it's not going to grow. And that's the same with local church. If we only experience local church on Sunday, I'm not going to grow. It's when I'm planted, and I'm relationally connected to the church every single day. I'm, I'm a part, I'm doing my life in the context of church. That's where I begin to grow. We plant ourselves in local church, and then we grow up from local church and that was the testimony of our lives and it wasn't just because we were called to ministry I'll give you an example of some friends of ours in Chicago at Anthem Church where Equip is going to be Matt and Sheetal Phillip they're both medical doctors they have three small children and they are also elders in the church in Chicago and their lives we've known them for about 15 years and it's been amazing to watch as they became more and more planted in local church, eventually came into eldership and that kind of thing. That happened later. But how their marriage is such a testimony. It's a beautiful marriage. Their children are amazing kids who are growing up in the things of God. Their careers are flourishing. Matt had the Surgeon General of the U.S. come and visit his clinic. He was invited to come speak before Congress to give testimony of how he's running his clinic. So their lives are just an example of flourishing. So that's an example for you of someone who's not just called to like go plant a church, but they have a career in medicine, but they value being planted in local church first. That's their first priority, and their lives have flourished because of it. Uh, John David or, or Alex, if you could please go back to that second slide that shows the review from week one. I just want to refer to that last point. Oh, you can't see it. Don't worry about it. But on week one, when Paul was first starting this series, he talked about our fellowship being in the gospel. That it's not just a hanging out, drinking coffee, talking about the Super Bowl. 
We do those things too, but we have a fellowship that's in the gospel. And what that means is that we're devoted to taking the gospel and the manifestation of the spirit where it isn't, to making disciples, to appointing leaders, and to sending and multiplying. So that's our mission together. That's, where, that's our purpose together, that our, rela- that our relationship isn't without a purpose. That's what we're doing together. We have fun together too. We hang out too, but we're on a mission together. Get planted into that soil. Get planted into that relationship. Christians are way too often focused on my calling and my purpose. What has God called me to do? And yes, God's given us all unique gifts. We learned about that last year when we did the gifts series, right? But those gifts are for the purpose of what we do together, what we're called into together. And my gifts and callings, the unique ones manifest as I get involved in the mission together. Church is not an Church is an orchard. Church is not like a, you're not a, like a potted plant, or I don't believe we're supposed to be like a potted plant, like that plant in the back or these potted plants out here. Church, think of church more like an orchard. I think sometimes we don't want to come out of our potted plants because we don't want to lose control of our lives, but we're called to be an orchard. And if I plant a tree in a pot, I might grow some fruit, but it's just going to be a little bit, and the growth of that tree is going to be stunted. But if I plant an orchard, those trees are going to grow big, and they're going to grow tall, and there's going to be way more fruit because of the cross-pollination and everything that happens in that orchard. And that fruit is going to be shipped to other places around the world. And that fruit is going to be useful for other people, not just for me. If I'm just planted in a little pot, I'm the only one who gets to enjoy the fruit. But if I'm a part of something bigger, it's for the big picture. And that's what God calls us to. That's a picture of the way God is himself. And I believe there's something special about the unique soil of local church. It is the perfect environment for us to grow. It might be difficult. It might be uncomfortable. You might rub up against each other sometimes. But even through those difficulties, God has designed those things to make us grow into who we are. Have you ever noticed sometimes maybe a quiet person comes into church or somebody who's a little quirky and you're like, hmm, that's an interesting person. But give them a little bit of time. They plant themselves, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, look at that piece of fruit. Look at that beautiful flower that's growing from their lives. Wow, I didn't know that was inside of them. It's because they planted themselves that you begin to see what's inside them come out. Church is also the safest place for us to grow. God protects us in local church. And again, the promise of Psalm 92 is that if we will plant ourselves, we will flourish. It's a promise. That word flourish means, doesn't just mean to grow. It means to bud, to sprout, to shoot, to bloom, to blossom. It also means to break forth. That word breakthrough is rooted in the word flourish. You guys need breakthrough in your life? I'm telling you, we get breakthroughs when we plant ourselves together. It's a together thing that breakthroughs come into our lives individually. Because when you're planted in local church, you're part of something bigger than you. And you get the added strength of the people around you praying. You get the added strength of the stability and the character and the maturity of the people around you. And it brings breakthrough into each one of our lives when we are planted. We are better together and we're stronger together than we are in our own. And to illustrate this, I want to go back to the cedar tree that is mentioned in Psalm 92. Remember it talked about the palm and the cedar? 
Cedar trees, another attribute of cedar trees is that they grow in clusters. They don't lean away from each other as they grow. They actually lean into one another, and they actually grow into each other's limbs so that you can't see where one tree starts and the other one, or where one ends and the other one begins. They have an affinity for one another. They don't pull back from one another. And I know that in our culture here in the U.S., in our Western culture, our personal comfort is often more prioritized um, than community. That's something that Americans hold very dear, our own personal space, our own personal comfort. But that's actually not biblical. And sometimes we need to be honest that there's things in our culture that are set up to prevent us from growing in the way that God designed. I know that church community can be uncomfortable at first, but I've been so proud of a lot of you guys. Proud might not be the right word. It's been a joyous thing to watch a lot of people push past that discomfort and find community and grow on a deeper level. The only way I will grow is to push past that discomfort, to push through it. Um, we're accountable to one another. We're a family. There's a giving and a receiving that happens, being present and doing life together. We're called to that deep connection with one another. And if I allow that to happen, the more I allow that to happen, think about this for a minute, then my decisions will begin to affect you. Isn't that right? Your decisions will begin to affect me. If we're really close, if I'm intertwined with you, if I make a step this way, it's going to affect you. So we need to own that together. We need to own community on another level. It's not just about what's best for me. It's not just about what I prefer, but it's about preferring one another. I'll give you some examples of how our decisions affect one another. Even something little like, I'm not going to go to church today because I've got a lot going on and I'm tired. And I know that happens sometimes. That doesn't mean that it's never okay. But as someone who leads church, I there's often times that we have a visitor and I think, oh, I wish so-and-so was here because they have that in common with that visitor. They, they have the same like career or they have kids the same age or they have the same interests. And I'm like, oh, I wish they could be here to meet that person. Sometimes you being present is what might cause someone to feel connected to local church. That's a big deal. And so that Again, I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. Please, I don't ever want anyone, we don't ever want anyone to feel like if you're not at church, you've been bad. It's not, that's not it. It's that knowing that if I do need to miss church, it might have an impact on what's happening and just owning that together. When I go to community group, it's not just so that I can be encouraged. It's so that I can encourage others. And it's going with that mindset. When I serve, it's not just that I'm, checking the box and doing the duty, it's I'm relieving somebody else so they can go further and do more. What I'm doing impacts them. Even something like equip that Paul was talking about this morning, it's not just do I want to go, you know, should I go? It's realizing that if I go, more of us get to experience something together and move forward together. It's having the group mindset and not just my own. How about this? If I open up my home, we can reach more people because there's people I know that the other people don't know. So just beginning to think that way, that it's not just about me and what's good for me in local church, but together. We've had people in the church, which is so encouraging, tell us that they're looking for a job and that some of the criteria of their job is that they want to still be available 
for what matters with church. Or people have told us they're looking for a house, but it needs to be within a radius of where they can still practically do local church because that's their priority. And I love that because the more we plant ourselves, everything in our lives begins to revolve around what God is doing and what we're a part of. You know, when we did the Gifted series um, last year, we camped out in that Romans 12 passage talking about being one body with many members, and we don't all have the same function, but each, I love that it says, each member belongs to one another. That's how deeply we're to be planted in one another. And again, we still have our individual personalities and interests and hobbies. There's a uniqueness that we all carry on with, but there's a, a joint um, a joint mission, a joint identity that we have. I want to read quickly from Acts 2, um, a beautiful picture of the early church. It says that they, those who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any had need. They continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, and they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Listen to this. And the church added, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I love that. And we want to see more of that. And why do you think the church was growing? Why was the Lord adding to the church daily, it says? I believe it's because of those preceding verses, because of the devotion of the people. They were devoted to local church. You get devoted to anything, it's going to grow. Whatever you give your attention to will grow. So as we all become more devoted to what God is doing among us, we will experience growth. And being devoted to that church community, community is the way that we reach the lost. One of the reasons we have community group is so that people will feel comfortable to come into community, people who don't have community. As I begin to close, I just wanted to acknowledge that there are situations that people have experienced in local church where they've been hurt or disappointed, and those are real things. And if you've experienced that, I want to say I'm sorry that that has been your experience because those things that are not according to the pattern of God, they do hurt people. And if you've experienced those things, I just want to encourage you that that is not God's design. It wasn't his intention for local church. And that's not what we see in Scripture. But if we continue to hold ourselves back for those reasons, then we're not going to experience healing. And, you know, even if you study how healing happens in people's lives, studies have shown that loving community is the best context for healing to take place. In loving church community, we're healed as we share our stories with one another. In loving church community, there's an equality that we begin to experience that begins to heal our hearts. In loving church community, trust is rebuilt where maybe it has been taken advantage of before. And have you guys experienced this, that as you begin to take responsibility for healing in others, you yourself get healed. So I want to encourage you, we've all experienced stuff in church. Don't ever let that be a reason that you hold yourself back. Because it's as we give ourselves to God's design of loving community, we will actually experience healing. I'm going to close by talking about the, um, just one more thing from Psalm 92. Another reason possibly that the writer specifically talked about the palm and the cedar. It ends in verse 14. This passage ends with saying that they still bear fruit in old age. They will be fresh and flourishing. 
Both of these trees, the palm and the cedar, are evergreens. It's said that the palm's tree fruit gets sweeter as the tree grows older, that the longer it lives, the fruit gets sweeter and sweeter. Cedar trees continue to bear fruit for centuries after the trees around them have died. There are, there are cedars living in Lebanon right now that they believe are over 1,000 years old. So specifically, the writer wanted to say, plant yourself like that, like the reach of your life going on way beyond you. That's what it's like to plant, plant yourself in the house of God. And even while you're still on this earth, I believe if we are planted in local church, we never become irrelevant. We never become obsolete. We never get past our use-by date. We will always be relevant. We will always have fruit. We will always have something to give in local church. So I just want to take a moment to pray 